Football Social Daily. Premier League Update. Hello, this is your only daily Premier League podcast, Football Social Daily. Welcome to your Premier League update for Tuesday. Coming up on today's show, it's Derby Day in Manchester. United take on City in the first leg of the Carabao Cup semi-final. Pep Guardiola says it's not the most important trophy, but it's nice to be in it. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer could do his reputation the world of good by winning a second Manchester derby of the season. But who will claim bragging rights this time around? Also, after the FA Cup fourth round draw, which served up mouthwatering ties such as Burnley versus Norwich, Hull versus Chelsea and West Ham versus West Brom, we were treated to an exciting cup affair as Arsenal hosted championship side Leeds. Gunners boss Mikel Arteta said it was like going to the dentist, but he's the man in charge of stopping the decay at the Emirates right now. Plus, we look back at the transfer news and gossip over the last 24 hours. If December is the month of Rudolph, January is the month of Randolph for West Ham United as the Hammers look to answer their goalkeeping gridlock. I'm Niall McCorn, providing the fire in the sports social booth today is Marley Anderson. Hello, Marley. Hello. We've also got Jim Salverson here to spit a few rhymes as well. Hello, Hello. Jim. Stormzy Salverson. Jim yeah. Stormzy Jim Salverson, Jim I Sizzle, like it. I think. Jim Sizzle, Jim wow. Sizzle, yeah. <laughs> sounds like a school disco guy. <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like a type of sweet. Jim Sizzle. Very good. Anyway, let's talk about Arsenal against Leeds, the final FA Cup third round tie of the weekend. It was a pretty good game, to be fair. Leeds showed what they're all about in the Championship. Uh, Leeds, a club you've um, followed and worked for in the past, mm-hmm. Marley. So yeah. it, does it surprise you to see them knocking around at the top end of the Championship and giving a club like Arsenal issues? Uh, no, not really. They were they were absolutely brilliant last night. The first half, it was you honestly couldn't tell who was the Premier League side. As in, well, you would have thought Arsenal were the Championship mm-hmm. side because mm-hmm. they couldn't get a kick on their own pitch. Against you know a, a changed lead side, it wasn't even their strongest side. They didn't have the first choice goalkeeper in. They had a, a lad making his debut in midfield. Um, Gots. It looked like they had an average age of twelve, didn't it? Yeah. When you looked at the Leeds lineup, they all yeah, looked yeah. like kids. Yeah, and some of them had to be taken off before ten o'clock because uh, they had to, <laughs> had to be home. Had, to, had to be in school today. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, they were they were absolutely brilliant. Like Arsenal didn't get a kick in the first half. Mm. Um, they hit the bar. The goalkeeper Martinez for Arsenal had a great game. He did. He did. He made a, made a couple of good saves. Uh, Bamford hit the bar. Um, if Alioski could have stayed on side, he could have had a, a couple of goals or a couple of assists. Um, and Arsenal really, really struggled. And then they got to half time, and the game just completely changed. Mm. Which is massive props to Mikel Arteta because it's hard to change his change something so drastically when your team's just getting completely outplayed like that and all of a sudden it was like the teams had just swapped sides the second half they swapped swapped kits almost because Arsenal were winning every second ball they were dominating possession they were having the chances Um, they didn't actually create too much in terms of like goal scoring chances but they they scruffed one in and from then on it was like if Leeds Leeds have missed a couple of chances in the first half it's that Premier League cutting edge that mm. it's a bit of a cliche, but it's that that's what you need to you got to take your chances when they come. You'd yeah. actually be pretty happy if you're an Arsenal fan or a Leeds fan. I think last night because there is a change happening at Arsenal, yeah, and it's a slow change. But that rot that has set in, that idea that you just walk onto the pitch and you win games, you don't need to try, which has been evident over the last two three seasons. Yeah. That's going to take a while to eradicate. And the fact that Mikel Arteta can go in there. 
and it was the Arsenal goalkeeper that said afterwards he went in there and he shouted a lot at half time and they yes, came out and looked a did. different side. Mm-hmm. If you can go in there and do that as a manager, if you can affect change, as you say, Marley, yeah. that's a sign of a good manager who can go in and change something at half time. And if you're a Leeds fan watching that performance, you'd go, We're gonna come up this season and we're gonna finish in the top ten. Yeah. Because they looked that good. Yeah, they and were, they were the, brilliant. The way Socrates celebrated putting in a last ditch tackle towards the end of the game. Just goes to show how much of a test Leeds posed to Arsenal. He was quite good, actually, to, to be fair, Socrates. Um, he was playing right back last night, which is weird. Mm. I thought it was an absolute sitting duck for, for Leeds to get at, but he was actually, he was, he was all right, especially obviously, especially second half when he had less to, less to do, but he was fairly solid at the back. You could definitely um, see the, um, the Guardiola-esque style of Leeds. Bielsa ball, yeah. that is. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, it's the other way, really, isn't it? It's yeah. Guardiola plays Bielsa's football rather than the other way around. But to you be could fair, definitely yeah. see their cut from the same cloth. If, if you ask Guardiola about Bielsa, you'll say he's the best manager yeah. in the world. He said that previously. He's, he's said, yeah, he said it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think Man City played Le- uh, Leeds not so long ago as well, and he was um, he was glowing about him. They were basically just like so respectful of each other because... Bielsa's been around, he's he's in his 60s now, I think, Bielsa, so he's been around the game a lot and he knows everything and everyone knows that he's he's unorthodox, but he's absolutely brilliant in terms of his philosophy. It makes um, no sense he's at Leeds though, does it? It's a really weird scenario because he went in there when that club was in a little bit of a mess and he's turned it around and they're playing good football and they will come up to the Premier League. I'm pretty convinced on that. They're going well in the Championship at the moment. Yeah. And they will hang into, onto him once he gets to the Premier League as well. It's just weird that he's gone there in the first place. The thing with Bielsa, it's, he's, throughout his career, if you look at the teams he's managed, they've not been uh, the most, like, they've not been elite elite teams. He's managed like Marseille, Athletic, Bilbao. He was amazing with Bilbao. He managed Lazio for about either two or four days before walking out over um, broken promises. Um, he's, he's a manager that goes and He's, he takes jobs on the project. He likes to <clears throat> take teams to the next level, like Leeds, like um, Bilbao. Bilbao won the Europa League under him, I think. Mm. Um, Is that if, in the Urente days, the early Urente yeah, days? Yeah, they had, yeah. Um, obviously, as well, with their, their philosophy of only signing Basque players, it's, sure. it's crazy to get to a new level when you've only got a youth system to rely on. Uh, but that tells you about the philosophy he's got. It, his philosophy was that strong. He, he won trophies with... Uh, what is basically a, a mid-table, a West Ham, a, a Newcastle of of Spain, basically. Mm. Um, but he he trades on whether he's interested in the project. Doesn't really matter how big you are. Doesn't he? Doesn't want the biggest wages. Doesn't want the the, the bonuses and what have you. He's not really bothered about that. He's bothered about whether he thinks whether he's turned on by the project. And that's why he's he's been at Marseille. He's been at Bilbao, and now he's at Leeds. Um, and he was only meant to sign a one-year deal at Leeds, and he did only sign a one-year deal, but then decided that because he'd failed, he wanted to stay. And he's seen it last season as his failure because he didn't get them up and he want, wanted to get them up. So How long's his contract for now? Has he signed a longer contract? I think it's only... It's like a rolling one. I think it only he's only done it to the end of this season because Leeds spent a lot of money last year on getting him and getting his backroom staff and playing squad and what have you. Um, and it was kind of a very fine balance between spending too much. Like basically, they only had one shot at it. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, they'd need to sort of really rein, scale rein back, in the yeah, yeah mm. tighten the purse strings kind of thing. But they've managed to wiggle wiggle around enough and get just enough money to have another go at it again this season on the same sort of budget. And it, hopefully, it looks like they're going to mm. come up because on last night's performance, they'll they'll skin so many teams. Yeah. Um, 
and give everyone a problem, basically. And I don't think there's too many negatives for them going out of the FA Cup either at this stage. Get the cliche bell ready. I'm ready. Now. I was here. Because essentially, they can concentrate on the league. Yeah. And that, that's, that's possibly that. the biggest cliche in football. But that is the focus, Definitely. surely, for so Leeds might, going forward. There's a double. <laughs> it's yeah. got to be the focus. I mean, do they really care about the FA Cup that much this year? How deep were they going to go into the well, competition? If they Who can, knows? if they can get a bit of money and get through to the quarterfinals, then they might be able to have another go again the year after. But it's it's, all, the Premier about, it's all about the Premier League. Again. It's all about the Premier League and it yeah. gives them that one focus going forward. Okay, yeah, what, what about... What about Arsenal? Is their focus going to be still on the Premier League? They're still in the FA Cup. Is this season a write-off for them, Jim? Have they still got something to fight for? I think on the face of it, you could say yes. But from what we've seen up till now under Emery and, of course, Ljungberg, of course, it's too early to say for mm. Arteta, it seemed a little bit like it, it needs to be put to one side this season. But the green sprigs of development are there, <laughs> aren't they? They are looking slightly better. They are developing. And you'd fancy them to, I mean, whether they can get into that top four position in the Premier League with the other people that are competing for it who have a head start. That's kind of questionable. But why not go for a cup victory this year? Why not go for the FA Cup? And we saw a bit of a change last night in terms of rotation. He brought some more of the young players in. It wasn't a completely changed side, but it was certainly slightly changed. Mm-hmm. And he's beginning to get a tune out of people like Pepe. So I think a cup run feels reasonably realistic. It's certainly something that if I was Mikel Arteta, I'd be looking at, if nothing else, to placate the fans for another season because they are desperate for a trophy. Yeah, yeah, and I think Arteta has previous in the FA Cup, winning it back to back in fourteen and fifteen. So yeah. he'll he'll have it's fond still, memories. Still in the Europa League as well, so there's still things to go out this season. Would it's, you rather by no means a right? What would you rather if you're a fan, FA Cup or Europa League? What's, Europe. what's more, what's the sexier trophy? I, I'd well, like only one gets you into the Champions League. That's the, the Europa the League. The FA Cup's better, isn't it? Isn't the FA Cup a more exciting trophy? You get so, a day to Wembley, you uh, get to play a rival So the team. magic of the cup hasn't fully gone then, no? For a no, club, for for a club like Arsenal, you'd have to say probably Europa League. Yeah. Because their European trophy cabinet as is a club, empty. As a club ambition, they don't have 100% either. it's the Europa League. But as a fan, what would you rather see? I'd rather see the FA Cup. I'd, I'd rather see the Europa League. Well, screw you. But <laughs> then again, Newcastle aren't going to win either, so why am I even bothered? It's a Toto. I said, <laughs> I said about spitting rhymes and fire in the booth at the top of the show. Announce diss track. There will be one soon between these two. Um, I think if I was an Arsenal supporter, I'd say Euro- Europa League, just purely because... Um, the Europa League's the League Cup, though, isn't it? No one really is that bothered about it. As you say, it's a way yeah, to get they, into they, the they Champions won, If you beat like Arsenal's European, in the final, or Arsenal's that's, European that's record is the Cup Winners' Cup in '94 and the Intercity Fairs Cup in 1970, and that's it. You're a club like Arsenal, you want to be one of the biggest clubs yeah. in English football, surely you want a European trophy. Plus, they've already done the FA Cup, haven't they? Uh, anyway, we talk about the Carabao Cup, the League Cup, as Jim said just there, after this break, where Manchester United and Manchester City go head-to-head at Old Trafford tonight, the second Manchester derby of the season. This is Football Social Daily. Don't go anywhere. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now, so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily, Premier League updates. Welcome back to Football Social Daily, your only daily Premier League podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe and you'll never miss another show, however you listen to your podcasts. Also, whether you listen on Apple, Spotify or any other podcast platform, make sure you leave us a review as well and you might even get a shout out on the show in future. So please do that. But for now, let's get back into the football. Manchester City and Manchester United go toe-to-toe at Old Trafford this evening in the first leg of the Carabao Cup semi-finals. The second legs take place in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, The other tie is 
Aston Villa against Leicester City, which takes place tomorrow. But let's focus on the bragging rights in Manchester. Manchester United have already beaten City once this season, Jim. Mm -hmm. Can you see them doing it again at this moment in time? It's a cup tie and it's the Manchester derby. So it's all better off. It's, it's, it's true, <laughs> though, isn't it? Anything can happen in the reason derby. cliches are cliches is because they are true. But this doesn't feel like a derby at all to me. The, the vibe, we, we, we produce this podcast in Manchester, I think we should say that. The vibe around the city hasn't really been that of a derby day no, over the last couple a, of days. You used to get a week's build-up at least for a Manchester derby, and this one just seems to have snuck under the radar a little bit. First thing I knew about it was getting on the tram yesterday. It was warning <laughs> me there might be delays because there's more trams going to Old Trafford, which is a right pain in the arse for me getting home to this <laughs> video. But I'll accept it. It just doesn't seem to have the same buzz around it that it normally does, and both teams are blowing hot and cold this season. Manchester United particularly, maybe City are blowing hot and lukewarm. But neither are quite at the levels you'd expect from either team mm. this season. And maybe that's contributed into there not being the buzz around this game that maybe there once was. I think there's, I think there's two reasons why there doesn't seem to be much buzz about it. I think one is because it's on a Tuesday night. Um, two, um, it's a two-legged tie. Yeah. Um, and maybe even three, that it's the, it's, it's the uh, League Cup. And no one's that really that bothered about it because, like, it's a semi-final it, though. I don't get that either. Why aren't you bothered? Uh, it's a semi-final of a competition. A you're, you're it's one, undoubtedly you're a big one game. leg away from the final, and people are like, "Yeah, oh, so it's the League Cup. I'm not that fast." A trophy is a trophy. There's another cliche there. <laughs> I mean, for goodness' sake, that's the whole point of football, isn't it? I don't. I mean, maybe yeah. this is just because I'm an old school fan in terms of the team I support and the league we're in. But I would much rather win the League Cup than just finish 12th in the Premier League every season and win nothing for 10 years. I'd rather win the League Cup and have something to cheer for that one day at Wembley than sit there and just stagnate in the bottom half of the Premier League. I mean, we're in Manchester, as you say, so we've got a barometer on this from City and United fans yeah. and their potential lack of interest in the whole thing. Mm. I wonder how it currently feels in the Midlands with Leicester and Villa. Are they feeling the same apathy towards the competition as like the City and United fans are doing? I wouldn't have thought so, particularly for Aston Villa, who will welcome a distraction, surely, from the Premier League woes. For Leicester City, it might be slightly different, having recently won the Premier League. But I would have thought still, both of those teams care much more about this competition than United and City do at the moment. Yeah, I would agree. I think Leicester and Aston Villa have a huge opportunity to add to the silverware cabinet. Aston Villa might go down this season, but... I don't think they'd be as bothered if they lift the League Cup at Wembley and Leicester, another cliche, said it yesterday, I said it the day before, strike while the iron's hot because they're in good form at the moment and, you know, why not capitalise on that to try and win a trophy? I do think United shouldn't be ruled out of this one, though. Common sense says City will win it, but United are actually finding a reasonable amount of form at the moment. They've lost only twice in the last 10 games and they do have off days still, but there seems to be a tiny bit of development a small step forward for them this season and this will be a game that they will arguably I mean Pep Guardiola's comments in this press conference were a little bit weird I thought they yes. were kind of downplaying the competition as a whole it's not the most important trophy but it's nice to be in it yeah and that's got to filter through to the squad whereas mm. I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as a manager if 
a team is going to take their lead from the manager, and that's the vibe the team are getting from Pep Guardiola. He'll still uh, all have his League Cup medals out exactly. from when he was a player. He loves so talking sh- about the past, doesn't he? I mean, if there's one person in that Manchester United setup who'll care about A, a trophy, and B, it being a Manchester derby, it will be Solskjaer. Yeah. Mm. And if he can instill a little bit of that desire and a little bit of that passion onto the, passion onto the Manchester United <laughs> team, they yeah. could get a result here. Um, what about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer then, Marley? Because he's going to have a lot to contend with. There's a fair mm. amount of injuries in that Manchester United starting lineup. Well, I mean, Scott McTominay is going to be out for a while. We know Pogba needs to have an operation on his foot. Will he be at the club beyond the month? We don't know. Yeah. Um, Greenwood and Chong, they started in the last game, the FA Cup game. Um, I No, I think he'll go as, as strong as he can, to be honest. Um, Man United's biggest advantage is that they've, they won the derby in the league. Um, and they seen they seen the blue they put into action the blueprint that needs to be done to beat Man City. You need to be solid defensively, and as soon as you win the ball back, you've got to go fa- forward as quickly as possible with all the pace that you've got. So Daniel James, Martial, Rashford, they can really hurt Man City. All you've got to do is su- survive, basically. Um, it's like a mission on like mm. Call of Duty or something when you're out- outnumbered by like 10 soldiers to one and you've just got to survive for that bit until your teammates come and help you and respawn or whatever. Someone said recently, someone far more intelligent than the people we have on these podcasts, that Manchester United, <laughs> Manchester United are far better without the ball. Yeah, they are. And, I said, was I've it been you? saying that for months. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote an article on this as well. Right. Maybe it was you two that said it. Oh, Jim, get out. I'm, I'm giving Those you, I'm giving you the credit you You're sacked. You You're sacked. Yeah. But I mean, that's exactly it, isn't it? And they won't see the ball much tonight. Because they can play yeah. on the break and they do have that devastating pace and that could be their advantage as well. It's the reason yeah. they've lost to teams like Newcastle this season and they've struggled against the the teams in the bottom half of the table when they've got results against sides like Chelsea and mm. Manchester City is because they do perform a lot better when they don't have the ball and they can counter-attack and they can break yeah. on teams. Whereas I think the game at St James's Park where um, Matty Longstaff scored to, to win the game 1-0, mm-hmm. Manchester United had a lot of possession that day. So I remember watching the game and thinking... Were they ever going to break Newcastle down? And Newcastle camped back and waited for their opportunity. And Longstaff took the you know took the the long shot, the snapshot, and it went in. And then they held on to the lead. And I think that you're right. I think that that is the style of play that they can mm. use against Manchester City, who will not be seen as as invincible as they were a year ago, just purely because of their form this season. I think you know they've lost a few games, haven't they, this year? So if City play with that back three system like they have been, I think they've got more chance of coping with Man United because. Like in the in the previous game in the league, they played a back four, and when the fullbacks push up in a back four and you lose the ball, Daniel James, as soon as he's behind you, that's it, he's gone. Like even if you even if you stood next to him and you have a foot race, you're gonna lose it. Yeah. Mendy, Zinchenko, Angelino, whoever plays at left wing back, at left back, sorry, he's gonna get absolutely hammered by him. So if they play with wing backs, then they've always got three centre backs at the back to cope with the counter attack, and I think they'll if they do play that way, I think they've got much more chance. Um, of breaking Man United down because, as well, United aren't as good mm. in defense in in the center of the pitch as they were in the league in the league game because obviously McTominay is injured and Fred's turned back into some sort of Sunday league player which <laughs> he's he's just gone backwards in the last in the last two weeks um, and that's where it'll be won and lost really I think this is a two legged affair which is quite rare we don't really see that. Um, anymore, it's only this competition that we see it in the semi-finals that we see it two-legged stupid. semi-final. Is it stupid, Jim? You think? Yeah, cup games shouldn't be two-legged. I mean, you can kind of get it in the European competitions where it's a massive advantage to play at home, but 
It should be. It should be a yeah. one one shot thing. Shouldn't it is, it? I, I'm not even a fan of replay. It is a four mile distance between <laughs> the two clubs. It's not like going from uh, from Italy back to London or whatever, is it? So do away goals count? No, not in the Carabao. I think it kind of. Dist- I think that that contributes to the lack of interest in the competition as well. It kind of makes it feel less of an event, doesn't it? Because it has got that two legged element. I mean, if even if Manchester United managed to win three nil tonight, then there's you still wouldn't write City off in the second leg. Yeah. I think making it one leg would be would help the competition. Anyway, Manchester derby. Bragham rights for the time being, of course, tonight, because there is a second leg in a couple of weeks' time. Aston Villa versus Leicester City is the other semi-final. And talking about Aston Villa, Danny Drinkwater, the Chelsea player, is currently undergoing a medical at Villa Park. He's been sent back to Chelsea by Burnley, so he's gone from one team in Claret and Blue to possibly another in Aston Villa. He managed less than 60 minutes of playing time at Burnley in the Premier League this season since his arrival from Chelsea in the summer on loan. He spent longer in a nightclub, didn't he? He spent longer (laughs) in the hospital, I think, getting his ankle seen to after he got beat up. Danny Drinkwater, is he as good as people said he was or was he just simply because he was alongside N'Golo Conte in a Leicester City title-winning team? Is he the real deal, I suppose, is what I'm saying? I guess the evidence is there to suggest he's not, no. And how much Conte influence he had on Danny Drinkwater's form, I mean, it seems obvious now, doesn't it, that Conte did the running for Danny Drinkwater and Danny Drinkwater was there to ping that little ball through to Jamie Vardy over the top that Jamie Vardy had run onto, which now several other midfielders have gone on to do just as effectively. But surely, surely he was good enough to play in Burnley's midfield. You'd think so, but I mean, obviously he had the injury and then he just wasn't really in favour with Sean Dyche. It definitely was not a good move for him to go to Burnley by the looks of it. Yeah, it was on paper at the start of the season. It was like, all right, yeah, go and, go and get some some game time in a in a similar team to where Leicester were in terms of you know where before they won the title, there wasn't much difference between where Leicester were then and where Burnley are now, really. Um, so it was like, go on, go and get your get your form back. See if you are that player that Leicester uh, cashed in on in in twenty sixteen when they sold him to Chelsea for thirty five million. Thirty five million pounds. Madness. Yeah. That like, looking back on it now, he's just. Is he's just not the same player, is he? I, I don't think it's uh, a coincidence that he's not playing next to Kante and he's not as good. Like as Jim said, Kante makes everyone look better. But Chelsea have both of them, so exactly, yeah. I mean, so I mean, it, it was that never a, a plan for Chelsea to use them both alongside each other in central midfield? I it's almost gone che- under the I radar. Guess Chelsea don't need don't need to be playing two relatively defensive minded. Midfielders. Drinkwater's definitely not in Frank Lampard's plans, which is why he's sent <laughs> no, into no. Aston Villa. So I think we can say that pretty clearly. He's but, only 29, Drinkwater, so he still has a future ahead of him. Apparently, I've just read he's having a medical at Aston Villa, so it looks like it's very much that deal mm. is on. Little loan deal. Yeah, it'd be a loan deal. For, for just him. to cover for McGinn and stuff, isn't it? Like, Villa have had a few injuries mounting up now. In, uh... I don't think they're going to spend too much this January either, Aston Villa. It doesn't look like it. I think Drinkwater's days playing in a top six team are probably over. But <laughs> I don't think they ever really a, begun, did they? That's Jim? a bold prediction. Jim. <laughs> but I think if he performs well for Aston Villa on loan, then potentially there is a future for him in the Premier League. But it has got to that stage where it's kind of like that that's it, isn't it? It's make or break time. Yeah. Potentially if he mm. doesn't do very well, you might get a promoted side 
taking a chance on him, but it feels unlikely. So he needs to step up his game okay. if he does sign for Aston Villa. Okay, from Birmingham down to Croydon, Crystal Palace, their manager Roy Hodgson has been getting animated in his press conferences lately. He's been saying for about a year now that he wants new striker, new fullback. Now he's upgraded that to two new strikers and two <laughs> new fullbacks. I've never really seen Roy Hodgson be that explicit about wanting players. But in his press conference just a couple of days ago where he expressed about how he was disappointed at Milivojevic for getting sent off in the FA Cup against Derby, he said he let the team down. He also sort of came out and quite openly said, I want players. I want two strikers, two fullbacks. Mm. Crystal Palace tend to do more business in January than they do in the summer, which is unusual. But can you see any sort of movement there from Palace's owners? They seem to be sort of quite tight in the pocket, so to speak, when it comes to bringing in new players. They've spent money before, haven't they? When Alan Pardew was there, they spent a fair bit of cash. Most of the money on him. That was the problem. (laughs) you know, Roy Hodgson wants two strikers and two fullbacks. How much of an impact could that have on improving Palace? Because, I mean, they started the season well, but it was never going to last, was it? If he's going to get two strikers and two fullbacks, it means um, Wolf Zahar's going. Crystal Palace won't spend that level of investment without a player going. So if Wolf Zahar goes and these four new players come in, it won't improve them at all because they've lost Wolf Zahar, who is by far and away the best player in that Crystal Palace team. Yeah. They, they, need, they need a striker, though, don't they? Like... Ayu's doing quite well, to be fair to him this season, but you can't rely on him all the time. Do you think a striker would make that much difference there? If they brought in a quality striker to Crystal Palace, yeah. do you think it would... Isn't it the way they play is the reason they don't score many goals? Because they have got forward players. They've got Ayu, like you say, who's Mm. done well. He scored that stunning goal a couple of weeks ago. Got Wolf Sahar, you got Christian Benteke, you got Connor Wickham. Come on, the last two, Benteke and Wickham. Yeah. They, they Christ, have... you might as well have me and Niall up front. <laughs> <laughs> we actually score goals. Yeah. <laughs> Benteke's not been good since he left uh, Villa. Yeah. And Wickham's not been good since he left Bloody Ipswich about <laughs> eight years ago. So he's. No, they need strikers. They've got Alexander if, Serloff yeah. out on loan. Um, they might call him back, possibly looking at Giroud or even uh, Jenk Tosin. From Everton, um, their options. Cenk Tosun, who scored about what four goals in the Premier League, he's ever, been a so. big flop for Everton. But yeah. I mean, they're, they're apparently the sort of players that Crystal feel like Palace, Crystal Palace players, though, don't they? They all feel like the kind of people yeah. that Crystal Palace would sign. I think Giroud's a bit too good for Palace, to be honest, because there's been talk about um, him going to Inter and stuff as well. Yeah, I think that's more. Um, wait, why? <laughs> no offense to Palace, but why would you go to Palace over Inter Milan, like Croydon or or <laughs> Milan? Like, I know what I'd pick. You'd get, definitely get a cheaper pint in Croydon, I think. Yeah, <laughs> Savaloy and chips in Milan's not the same, <laughs> exactly, is it? You know exactly, no, I mean? yeah, exactly. Um, West Ham United then. Uh, looks like we're going for a full rundown of teams in Claret and Blue today in terms oh, of yeah. transfer gossip. Yeah. Danny um, Drinkwater will beat you next season. Then. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> in the championship. <laughs> and then Northampton Town the season after. Um, Darren Randolph, you sold him, Jim, uh, yep. the goalkeeper, for about £4 million a few years ago. Now you've signed him back for about £4 million as well. Is he the answer to West Ham United's goalkeeping conundrum. I mean, he's a bit of a cult figure at West Ham, Darren Randall. A cult hero? There'll be a lot of people that'll be pleased to see him back. The, the whole, I mean, it's a decent option as a second string goalkeeper. <laughs> That's the most us. West Ham thing I've ever heard. Darren it's... Randolph is a cult hero. Yeah. He's on a level with uh, Paolo Di Canio. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, it does make a lot of sense that he, he's a solid second goalkeeper that isn't going to break the bank in terms of wages. He loves the club, so we'll be pleased to be there as well. It means we can ship out Roberto and he can toddle off back to Spain or whatever he wants to do. <laughs> but as a deal, as a series of events, it is a ridiculous scenario that West Ham had Adrian, 
this summer, didn't want to give him a new contract because they felt his wages were too high to play in that second string role to Fabianski. So he went off, got signed by Liverpool on a free. We signed back Darren Randolph for four million quid, which surely would have covered off Adrian's wages for the entire season anyway. A player that we sold to Middlesbrough for five million quid, I think it was, two years ago. It's just a ridiculous scenario, a ridiculous series of events, but it is very West Ham and they Classic need they West need Ham. they needed to spend money on a second string goalkeeper, so he's not a bad option. I I don't really see why he's coming back as you know clearly to be second choice. He was first choice at Middlesbrough. Uh, Middlesbrough aren't doing that well, mm. fine, but he was he was first choice and he's Ireland's first choice goalkeeper. So why why risk that? Well, like I, if I, you're going to come and be second choice, why can you? I know Ireland haven't got the. I think the argument is he'll put depth. pressure on Fabianski, but well, Fabianski's never going to get dropped because he's a good goalkeeper. But he might get injured again, which is. So basically you're just likely. preparing for injuries. I mean, that's, Fab- that's, Fabianski that's, that's is a very good goalkeeper. That. I think he's one of the most underrated goalkeepers in the Premier League. Yeah. So from Darren Randolph's point of view, I take your point. Why would you take that step down to play second fiddle, particularly when Borough's form seems to be improving? They aren't going to go up, though. No, they're not going to go up. Yeah. But I just think at that stage of his career, is it not about playing? Is it not about happiness? Would you rather play everywhere? Just at his age, and I think he's, what, he's about 32, 33, something like that. So you're number one for Ireland. You've got a, a playoff coming up in, in March against Denmark, which it, is it against Denmark? It usually is. It's always against Denmark, Ireland <laughs> and Denmark, in it? So it's bound to be. Um, and then you've, I don't know, just, just go and play every week. You're not going to be number one at West Ham. And then once you make a mistake, the West Ham owners will probably call you in bed <laughs> and then you, you're off again. You're back down to the championship when you're 35 and... Ugh. He's probably getting a little Just, bump in wages. To be fair, if you look at Sergio... That's what I'm thinking. It, it's yeah. it's got to be a money yeah. thing, hasn't it? And if you look those... at Sergio Romero at Manchester United, he's second choice to David De Gea, and he's still number one for Argentina. He's, so, yeah. um, he's the most overrated goalie they, in the world as there well. There could also be promises in there concerning... I mean, we're pure speculation now concerning about his future post-playing and whether they're going to help him get his coaching badges and any Maybe. kind of element like that, whether he'll be involved in the in the youth setup or whatever it is. But he, he did... Like I say, he was a bit of a cult hero at West Ham. He seemed to have an affinity with the club from the time he was there. So maybe he just wants to be back back at the club again. Yeah. He's probably f- sick of the smog on uh, <laughs> on Teesside. <laughs> so it's just all factories and grey clouds everywhere. So, maybe, so instead he's going to move to the East End and have pie and mash and well, liquor. There, there yeah. is an element of that though, isn't there? I mean, it's not just about... It's a more attractive you, place. Yeah, live, yeah, it's not about the club you play for sometimes. It's about, particularly yeah. when you get to the age of someone like Darren Randolph, it's like... It, your, your aspirations to be the world's best goalkeeper are probably faded slightly <laughs> and you're probably thinking well where's going to be a nice place for me and my family to live yeah. as much as anything else yeah maybe maybe, maybe it's a combination of all that that's, that's tempted him and the money <laughs> of course the money more transfer rumours to come throughout the week and throughout the January transfer window here on Football Social Daily so make sure you hit subscribe and you'll never miss another podcast again I've been Niall thank you very much Marley thank you thank very you. much Jim Ciao. make sure you also follow us on Twitter at the Sports Social lots of good content on there from uh, Mr Anson over here so uh, make sure <laughs> debatable. you debatable <laughs> what's your best meme today uh, uh, oh, I don't know yet I've, I've not hit my uh, creative talent yet have you done the tweet that slags off Liverpool yet today uh, no oh, Wait, waiting for Steve to be on <laughs> Twitter yeah. the daily Steve wind up tweet yeah <laughs> like to call it anyway thanks for listening to the show make sure you come back again tomorrow for more Football Social Daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode